And the bottom line is that a bank is a big deal. Banking is the granddaddy of them all. Hello there from the United Kingdom. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Kraken Financial CEO, David Kininsky, and Kraken's Chief Legal Officer, Marco Santori. We're going to be discussing Kraken becoming a bank, but before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. So first up, we have BlockFi, who are the future of Bitcoin and financial services. And with BlockFi, you can open up an interest account and start earning interest on your Bitcoin. I am a customer and I love receiving my interest every month. Also with BlockFi, you can use your Bitcoin as collateral and take out a USD loan. And you can also fund your BlockFi account directly from your Bitcoin wallet. And with the BlockFi mobile app, you can now fully manage your account on the go. With so much more coming this year, it's going to be a massive year for BlockFi. If you are interested in checking them out, I recommend you do your own research. Then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And also, let's talk about Kraken, who are featured in the show today. Also, my favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin. The only place I use for buying and selling Bitcoin. Why? Well, they are consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange, and security is just really important to me. They also have best-in-class customer service. So whatever issue you have, whoever you are, if you get in touch, they're going to get it fixed for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have every tool you could possibly need. Whatever your level of experience, it could not be easier to sign up at Kraken.com and start buying Bitcoin. They also have a beautiful mobile-first app, so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. And with margin trading, futures, and their OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. Find out more at Kraken.com or download the app, which is available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Okay, so onto the show today. And some of you may have seen last week that Kraken, my sponsor kind of had a massive announcement. They had their banking charter approved under Wyoming's Special Purpose Depository Institution Statute, which is huge news. I know they've been working on it for a long time. So when it was finally announced, I reached out and said, come on, you've got to come on the show and talk about this because I want to understand what it means for the industry. But I also wanted to know what it meant for me as a Kraken customer and also as someone who runs a business using both Bitcoin and Pounds. I wanted to know if they are going to eventually be able to provide me the kind of services that I need. So I was joined by David Konitsky, the Kraken Financial CEO, and Marco Santori, the Chief Legal Officer at Kraken, to discuss the process they went through to get their banking charter, the regulatory requirements, why they chose Wyoming, and what it is the company will do, and the products that are coming. So I hope you enjoy this one. If you've got any questions or any feedback, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Outside of that, go and check out my other show, Defiance. I've just released the first episode regarding Ghislaine Maxwell, the lover of disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. Part two is out on Monday, but if you want to get ahead, you want to go and listen to part one, that's available at defiance.news. Outside of that, have a great weekend. And if you want to reach out to me, my email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. All right. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing well, Peter. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for coming on. Marco, good to see you again. How are you? Great to see you again. I'm doing really well. So great to get you both on the show because obviously you had some big news just recently. You've you've created a, I'm just going to say you've created a fucking bank, a crypto bank. This is really kind of interesting, but I don't really know fully what a crypto bank means. So we're going to have to work through it all so everybody else, everyone else understands it. I'll start with you, David. Come tell me why you did this. Yeah, so uh, why Kraken did this? Uh, I I bucket it in three reasons. Uh, One is is regulatory. 
this provides us with a much stronger regulatory position, more certainty, and a more consolidated approach across the U.S. Um, most specifically, this is a, a carefully tailored framework uh, that allows us to operate our, our digital asset you know, business in a way that's much more streamlined, not just regulation for regulation's sake, but it's right-sized and it, it fits our business model much better. Uh, the second reason uh, would be infrastructure. It gives us direct access to the federal payment system and banking infrastructure that we can then more seamlessly integrate into our products and customer experiences. And then the third bucket would be, uh, this is an entirely new product and distribution channel. We can offer things and serve customer sets that we wouldn't otherwise be able to, to do as a, as a non-bank. Things like you know, IRA or trust accounts, things like payments, things like investment products, things like qualified custody uh, for institutions, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, this is the best uh, route that we've seen to date in terms of a, a regulatory approach for us. And the bottom line is that a bank is a big deal. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different types of regulation in the U.S. and across the world, but banking is the granddaddy of them all. It's the bottom of the financial services stack, and you're always beholden to that. Right. Okay. So we're going to need to go through that a little bit slowly, just so uh, I get the fully understand what it is you're talking about. So hold on. Did you do this first for Kraken in that Kraken would be a customer of the bank? It makes life easy for Kraken themselves. Yeah, this uh, this SPDI or Special Purpose Depository Institution is what the uh, bank is actually uh, called, um, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Kraken. That said, it's a bank, so it needs independent governance management operations. Uh, and, but we do anticipate that our first focus area will be existing and new Kraken customers in the United States. And it will build out the Kraken infrastructure that we'll be able to offer uh, to our customers and product sets. From there, uh, we would expand, but yes, uh, that's absolutely correct. At the first phase, uh, we would see benefiting uh, existing Kraken users. Okay, can you talk about this relationship with the, did you say the Federal Reserve? Yes, I did. Yeah, what does that actually mean for you as well? Yeah, so uh, when you get a bank charter, which is what happened last week, um, and uh, you are then able to apply for a Federal Reserve Master Account, which is basically the direct access to being able to hold issued treasuries or other types of uh, cash at the Federal Reserve and to access the federal payments infrastructure, the Fed wire system and, and other mechanisms. So that direct access is what uh, we're able to get by being a bank. Wow. That sounds like a, like a really big deal. I think it is. Yeah, I think it definitely is. Uh, not, and not just for digital assets or crypto industry. I think for the broader kind of fintech, neobank and financial services ecosystem, uh, what we're seeing is kind of a convergence of all of that uh, and uh, a playing field that you're, you're looking to be competitors with all of them. Kraken doesn't view ourselves as a competitor to just other digital asset or crypto companies. We're, we're really playing in a broader space. And so I think for that reason, it's a big deal across that whole landscape. And for you, Marco, I'm imagining the regulatory side of this was probably one of the biggest things you've worked on. Well, yes, yes, it was. But first and foremost, I think it's important to recognize the the the, the contribution and 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 the lead taken by the Kraken legal and compliance teams over the last couple of years. I mean, this has been this has been a lift on not only the legal side but also the policy and compliance sides. I mean, this is not something that gets done because one person is really good at his or her job. It's something that gets done because it's an interdisciplinary effort that um, is is driven by a, a whole team feeding off of each other's talents. And 
I got to say that, you know, you, you, you love to see it when that actually pays off because there's so many, there's so many times when people work so hard and, and you don't, and you don't get to see the fruits of that labor so far, you know, so far, so good. We can, we can see that really come to come to fruition here. Was it one of those projects when you started that you didn't actually know whether you would reach the end goal of creating this SPDI or did you know you would always get there? You would just be like a process of jumping through certain hoops. Look, I get, I, I don't think at any point anything was certain. We certainly didn't feel that way. We didn't feel as if, uh, you know, there was some, some destiny here before us. We felt like at every step and at every turn, we had to satisfy rigorous requirements that we were the first people to even try to satisfy. And at any point, the regulators, the legislators, the state banking board could have said, look, this is, this is, this is not the right candidate for us. This is not who we, who we want to be the first uh, applicant because it was tough because their standards were incredibly high. At, at no point did this feel like softball. Certainly not from uh, from the legal uh, and regulatory side, nor from the policy side. And I should say, it's it's still not going to be softball, right? We still don't have all uh, a Fed master account. We still don't have all of the access that 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 we think we can get. There are enormous responsibilities coming up. There are enormous challenges ahead of us, and we still have to work hard to meet them. And does it create ongoing kind of burdensome burdensome requirements to actually operate the business? Or is most of the work in the initial setup and structure? No, this is much more of a a commencement than a conclusion, right? We, we, this is at best a milestone along a very, a very long path. Uh, I don't think anybody at Kraken feels feels like, oh, we're over the hump. We've finally gotten it done. I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody feels that way at all. In fact, I think we all feel as though we've opened uh, the spigot to a fire hose, and there's a tremendous amount of effort that we still need to undertake, and quite a bit of it is uncertain. There's no guarantee that we'll be able to uh, do all the things that we say that. Uh, that we hope that we can do, particularly with regard to interaction with central banks and other banks. Uh, you know, this is th- this is a long established world with deep relationships, and Kraken is trying to <laughs> trying to get invited to the party uh, without being a bull in a china shop. I mean, I could mix metaphors all day, but um, you know, we 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 want to do good with this license. Sometimes that's that's easier said than done in a space with so much of a regulatory history. Yeah, and I, I would add to that, you know, that threading that needle, right? I think Kraken is particularly well suited for this type of endeavor. On the on the one hand, you need a company that is is open and has an appetite for innovation and kind of pushing the boundaries forward uh, to into the future. And at the same time, as, as Marco noted, um, in some ways we were picked. As a uh, as a kind of to break the, the ceiling here or uh, be a test case uh, for this type of regulation, and you need to have be buttoned up and have the resources to be able to do that. So that kind of like pairing, uh, Kraken was particularly well suited for that. I'd also say, man, I'm going to have to go down an octave, Marco. You've got that deep baritone. It sounds like you're hosting a late night radio show. I'm going to have to 
going off super too deeper. That's the that's the that's the courtroom voice. Uh, I, I I will say, look, I will leave the bravado to other lawyers and maybe in fact courtroom lawyers, but I do think that we are the best people to meet these challenges. I I think that the state of Wyoming chose wisely. I know I'm partial to my client, but I think that if anybody can do it, we can. Have you ordered your pens on chains yet? I am so looking forward to those. Can I tell you, I I don't even need to have a bank branch. We don't need to have cash management. We don't need deposit slips. I just want a little pen with a little chain attached to my desk. I will. I feel like that is my deal tchotchke. That's my deal toy that lawyers get at the end of the deal. That's That's the one I want. I want a whole box of them so I can hand them out to people that I really like. Little known uh, fact, Marco kind of has a Marco kind of has one of those bikers wallets with the chain, uh, but with the pen on the end of it, and he carries it around in a three piece suit. It's wild to see. Listen, that was the bit that really interested me. I knew this was big for Bitcoin and the wider crypto industry, but when I read about the pens on chains, I was like, this is this is a fucking this is a game changer. But I don't want to get given one. I want to steal one. I I think that's I really the only one. true way of obtaining such a pen. Is by yeah. is 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 by putting on you know your you, is by putting on some Jinko jeans and arm tats and whatever else you need to really get in the mood, and then find Kraken Bank wherever it is, break in and take only the pens. Yeah, you're referring, of course, to a tweet storm to which I am quite partial. A fantastic tweet storm, I have to say, it was the perfect combination of. Serious business achievement and humor, and uh, I chuckled through most of it. So thank, you. <laughs> thank you. So I'm going to use that in my defense <laughs> next time my CEO or client says, "Hey, why do you tweet so much?" Um, but yeah, you can check it out Dude, on Santori AS. Keep it up. Twitter. I think I think I saw Jill Carlson have a gushing comment in it. I I, I had gushing comments for her. I I have deep respect for that uh, for that woman. She's she's uh, she's done a great job in crypto, and she's always told it like it is, which I appreciate. Yeah. All right. So, what is the position you're at right now? You have the license, and now is it like, oh shit, we have to like really get to work on this next phase now in actually building the bank? Um, well, I'll I'll be I'll be hyper technical about the law, and then I'll let. Uh, our CEO, uh, who's the boss, uh, talk. So the the banking board has approved the issuance of our charter. Then uh, once we are ready to launch, the charter will be issued and the bank will be in business. Um, that's Marco, you should probably just, because some people listening won't know, you, you should probably even explain what a charter is. Yeah, so a lot of companies. In fact, if you've been in crypto for very long, uh, you know that crypto companies in the United States at least have to go out there and get a money transmitter license. That is to say, there is a company that you form, you go to the Secretary of State or uh, wherever you are in the world, some notary public or some division of the government that creates a company at your request. And it's put on on like, you know, government record. Then that company exists and it can do business. But if it wants to do a special kind of business, it gets a license to do a special kind of business. That's pretty straightforward. Most people understand that process. The process of banking is different. The charter itself for a bank gives the bank its corporate existence. Uh, The charter for the bank is not only permission to do the business, but it is, in fact, 
uh, evidence of existence of the business. It's it sounds like an arcane legal element, but I mean, you don't see us with our little chained up pens right now yet, right? That we could we could do that if 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 it didn't require a charter, um, but it does. Right. Right. So, David, what are what are the next steps then? Yeah. Yeah. So as Marco alluded to there, um, the charter was granted by the, uh, the state banking board in Wyoming and uh, the process there was, uh, you know, we had to prepare a, a ton of materials and, and present in a public hearing format in front of them. And, uh, you know, there's a binder that's thousands of pages long. I've seen uh, that, it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Some, some folks saw it in the, in the tweet storm that, that Marco did. Others, others saw it on the live stream. And yeah, that binder that's wasn't what, even uh, big enough. Yeah, yeah, and there's more coming. Uh, there's more coming, uh, but there's and then that's how you know we're qualified is the number of pages. That that means we're 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 good. It's a kind of real world proof of work. But uh, basically, we wrote all this stuff, and uh, we have to say what we're going to do, and obviously we have to be credible that we can accomplish that. But then we have to actually do it. Uh, and so, uh, in addition to kind of proceeding with the uh, Fed, trying to secure a Fed master account and other domestic correspondent banking relationships, we have, to, we have to operationalize all of the programs, policies, procedures, and product that uh, we set forth in our application and our business plan. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of the, the task of the day uh, for the, well, task of the next few quarters uh, until we're targeting a launch in Q1 uh, of next year. So there must, this must be a quite significant financial investment to get to yourself to the point where the bank itself is operationally profitable with enough customers doing enough business, you've got to do a, do a huge amount of work up front, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's, it's not easy to become a bank. And, um, you know, there's, that's unfortunate for various reasons, but there are good reasons for that. Um, if you are going to have access to the federal payments infrastructure, um, you need to be able to be good stewards of it and ensure that uh, you have enough capital and resources uh, to ensure the safety and soundness of the institution and ultimately the protection of the customers. So uh, in, in many ways, those rules and those requirements are there for a, a really good reason. That said, uh, you know, it's, it's not ideal that, that not everyone who you know, wants to get a bank charter who's qualified can do it. Uh, and that's another reason that Kraken was in a pretty unique position is that was capitalized enough, had the resources, the personnel, the experience uh, in order to dedicate to this project, even though, as, as Marco said, it was never certain. Um, and even though we're still kind of have a lot longer way to go, uh, there's a lot that went into it. Um, so, so no doubt it's been a, a big financial uh, and operational commitment by Kraken. Uh, but there's no doubt that uh, in our view, it'll be worth it, one, uh, for our own business and our customers' sake, uh, but then also for the broader ecosystem and, and regulatory uh, landscape. Right. So listen, let, let me explain a little bit about how my little small media company works and, and kind of what I've always wanted from a bank. Um, so I obviously have these two podcasts. Uh, I have three staff who work for me. I have a few suppliers um, and a few sponsors. And right now, I, I operate the business a mixture of pounds and Bitcoin. So some of my sponsors pay me in, in actually in dollars. Uh, which gets converted uh, in my bank account. Uh, some pay me in Bitcoin. In my ideal world, I kind of want a bank account that has the ability to have a dollar account, a pound account, and uh, a Bitcoin account. And the reason I want all three is when the dollars get paid and then converted into pounds, I have to pay an exchange rate. 
And then sometimes I'm paying people back in dollars and paying the exchange rate back. So ideally, I don't want to convert it all over and pay those exchange rates. I do though want a pound account because I do want to make withdrawals myself to pay myself and um, and pay certain people work for me. But I also get paid sometimes in Bitcoin and have to pay people in Bitcoin. And I am always having to jump between hardware wallets, bank accounts and different providers to manage that for me. So selfishly, I kind of want something that does all of that. Is that going to be a possibility with Kraken Financial? Uh, in, in some ways, yes. Uh, in, in some ways, um, you know, we're, we're still subject to the same type of infrastructure constraints that, that cause that situation. I mean, the way that banking works uh, globally, right, uh, is you need all these correspondent relationships in each local jurisdiction who, you know, hey, you have a U.S. bank who has access to the Federal Reserve. You've got a U.K. bank, you know, who has access there and can serve uh, one in all the different countries and jurisdictions across the world. And then you need to, like, link them up all on the back end. Uh, and that's a lot of infrastructure to require. You know, obviously, this is not changing that uh, infrastructure setup across the world. That said, we do anticipate that we'll be able to service those needs. And in many ways, what you're seeing in the crypto ecosystem with uh, stable coins or, or crypto dollars or crypto assets, sometimes you may be able to, or in, in the near future, you may be able to abstract away some of that such that it's easier to hold those assets in a single account and yet still have the representation of value at the local level uh, and then more seamlessly transact. Uh, and so it's kind of an over the top, like uh, just like VOIP was like over the top telephone over the over the internet. This is kind of like over the top banking uh, that we'll be able to support in a more global fashion. Now we're also still subject to different types of regulatory requirements and on a jurisdictional level. Uh, and so some of it will not change here. However, some of it I would expect to improve. I guess what I'm more interested in, less so than having the pound and the the dollar accounts, is the ability to have a Bitcoin account next to a whatever, just say it's, imagine I was in the US, a dollar account. Is that something that might be possible? Yeah, definitely. And that's that's one okay. of the primary uh, reasons here. I mean, Kraken's uh, mission has always been to promote the adoption of digital assets in order to enable more individual financial freedom across the world. Uh, this bank is a key tool en route to that because uh, we're able to and serving a mission to more seamlessly integrate the traditional financial system with digital assets. And so that does mean, hey, we can directly connect to the Bitcoin network just like other people can. Uh, we can now also directly connect to the Federal Reserve and Federal, Reserve, Federal payment system. And so we'll be able to offer both side by side and be able to seamlessly uh, convert and interact between the two. Okay, so why didn't you do this in New York? Ha, uh, well- Marco. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Uh, I'm happy to address that. Uh, so I was. I was I mean, here. Uh, with, what's that? New York's more of a. New York's more of a, a joke. But like maybe say Delaware. Yeah, I. I got to say, uh, and, and this was in my, 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 my opening statement uh, and my closing argument at the hearing to those intrepid journalists who care to dive deep. Uh, but there have been a lot of jurisdictions, not not just in the U.S. but around the world, who have talked a big game about fostering innovation and talked about carefully tailored regulation. I, I have heard a lot of that, but I've seen very little of it. I've seen very little of the, of the, of the actual evidence of that desire. I think that this industry has been paid a lot of lip service, uh, in particular over the last five years. It's been around longer, but the last five years have been 
just just a, a tsunami of of niceties about crypto or digital assets more broadly. Uh, sometimes blockchain technologies, or even abstracted further, digital ledger technologies or uh, distributed ledger technologies. Though I have heard the former before, there have been very few jurisdictions who actually built a foundation who have actually laid a path to fostering that innovation that everyone else has uh, to which everyone else has paid lip service. Wyoming is that jurisdiction. We don't we aren't highly political at crack and I I you know I I lead up our policy efforts and I am not highly political. I'm, I'm not a highly political person. There is there is reality and then there is talk. And uh, Wyoming has been heavy on reality. They have built, they have laid a path. Kraken is uh, just the first company to walk that path. We think there's going to be many more, but we have a strong suspicion that if the current trend of lots of talk and little building continues, many other companies will be walking the path that Wyoming built. Yeah, and I would I would add to that, um, you know, again, zooming out from just the digital asset industry or crypto industry and more broadly, the fintech and financial services industry. In, certainly in the U.S., you're starting to see some jostling between different state and federal jurisdictions and agencies um, to kind of compete and for these new types of companies. And I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, it's not just companies and in, incumbent corporations that have kind of an innovator's dilemma. Jurisdictions do too. And so for someone like a New York, where uh, a lot of the banking activity in the United States takes place, that's their primary business, so to speak, or their primary interest. And so when you have that kind of like built up, uh, you know, legacy kind of focus, it's difficult for you to make the choice and invest the necessary resources and time to build a new framework to say, hey, we're gonna go over here and, and maybe like cannibalize the existing business. States and jurisdictions and agencies face that same challenge. Uh, and so Wyoming, again, like Kraken's in a unique position to pursue this type of charter. Wyoming was in a pretty unique position to be able to pursue this type of regulatory framework. And they've spent a ton of time uh, with, you know, not just with them, but in a public private consortium with Marco and the Kraken team, uh, Caitlin Long and others across the ecosystem to figure this out, get smart, on digital assets, do things like uh, build a framework from the ground up, harmonize it with the commercial code and underlying legal concepts like bailment. There's a lot that they invested too. Uh, and so for that reason, a lot of the existing jurisdictions that are kind of the most notable today weren't in a position to do that. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to say that if I was a betting man and I had to put money on whether it was Dave or me that was going to articulate the concept of regulatory capture so politically and so politely as an innovator's dilemma. I don't think I would have bet on you, Dave. I, that, that was very impressive. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm glad I could still surprise you. Next up, I talked to David and Marco more about banking and Bitcoin. But before that, I've got a message from my amazing sponsor. So first up, we're going to talk about Casa, the best in Bitcoin security. Now, listen, if you are holding a serious amount of Bitcoin, have you checked out Carter yet? Have you got your security shit together? I have. I've been a customer now for a few months, started before they became a sponsor, and it just gives me so much peace of mind because with Carter, it could not be easier to protect your Bitcoin from hackers, personal mistakes, something I'm easily capable of making, in-person attacks, device failure, and so much more. 
And Casa has a product for every Bitcoiner out there. So with Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and it's only going to cost $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get their three or five multi-sig, the best protection for large Bitcoin holders, at a great price. And with Casa Diamonds, you get the full service offering. Everything, including a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, the best in-class security. Do not leave this too late. I was messing around with this for about a year. I just did not have my shit together with my security. Go and check them out at keys.casa. Get your security sorted. That's K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have sportsbet.io, the best in online gaming. And they've had a couple of massive announcements recently showing their full support for football, showing their full support for getting people into football to know more about Bitcoin. So firstly... With the return of the Premier League, they announced that they were going to be the full main sponsor for Southampton, and they put a Bitcoin logo slap bang in the middle of the shirt, which is pretty badass. They didn't just stop there. They also announced that they are the new betting partner for Arsenal. They're really pushing Bitcoin out to football fans. And with football back on the TV, the Premier League back in swing, Liverpool back-to-back wins, it is time to get out there and get a wager on your favourite team. And Sportsbet has a bunch of promotions for you football fans. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. And lastly, but not least today, is Lease Authority, who I'm welcoming back as a sponsor on the podcast. Now they are for you techies out there. You techies are out there building the badass applications that we use. Least Authority is a security consulting company pushing the limits of how to build privacy-respecting solutions. They specialize in security audits, design specification reviews, and security by design. And they can help you improve the security of your wallet application, key management solution, layer 2 protocol, P2P network design, use of cryptography, and so much more. If you would like a boost for your security strategy, then you can arrange a no-obligation call to find out how Lease Authority can help you on your next project. Kind of a no-brainer, right? Just head over to their website and hit the schedule a call button. That's leastauthority.com, which is L-E-A-S-T-A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y.com. So do you have to have some form of relationship with other banks? And, and how does that tend to work in that... Uh, you know, if I'm transferring money between, say, I've transferred it between a Chase account and uh, uh, a Kraken Financial, does that? Do you have to therefore have a relationship with every other bank, and do they have to work with you? Like, how does that all work? Yeah. Um, so the way that the way that it'll work, or the way that it does work, uh, again, this is a bank, right? So it, it works in in certainly within the U.S. dollar denominated ecosystem. It works in in many of the same ways, um, and so uh, by being able to have direct access to a Fed Master account and the federal payment system and and the associated clearing mechanisms, it allows us to kind of more seamlessly uh, conduct that underlying receipt and transfer of, of funds. Um, between different banks. Um, and so when when you or I send money to one another from bank account to bank account or via some Peter, quote unquote P2P uh, payments app or something, uh, what happens is there's layers uh, underneath the surface there. And it all it, go, it always goes all the way down to you know what is equivalent to the Fed, right? Or at another jurisdiction, whatever the analogous um, institution is. By being able to have that direct access, we're able to kind of play ball at that that base layer settlement system. Um, so we have we have uh, the ability to do that. That said, uh, you, you generally do maintain relationships with other banks as a bank, other correspondence, whether it's for um, you know, redundant infrastructure, whether it's for internal operations versus 
customer operations or internationally to get access to the different jurisdictions, we do expect to have relationships with other correspondent partners as well. Except in the case if you're transferring Bitcoin, I guess if uh, other banks follow suit, if there are other crypto institutions that want to create a bank like Kraken or other banks start bringing in Bitcoin, say, accounts, you won't need to go via a Fed account because it just will, I guess, it will be a wallet to a wallet address. So that part kind of circumvents that part of the system. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the, one of the beauties of, of Bitcoin and these other systems yeah. is kind of like the, the open infrastructure that everyone can connect to, to be sure. Um, so, that, so that's lovely. And now there may be different advantages to having kind of like, quote unquote, off chain uh, transactions for speed or uh, cost purposes. Uh, but, but you're absolutely right that uh, <laughs> there's a lot less kind of connectivity needed to operate on the Bitcoin network. Also, also for commercial privacy purposes, you know, we have to, we can't forget that, that we, we, we live in a world of commerce and on-chain transactions are, are the very core of this technology. It's the reason for it existing. But at the same time, there are a lot of people out there who cannot use on-chain transactions because of the business realities around uh, what they're trying to achieve. Centralized services are by no means waving the same flag as um, the decentralized providers of non-custodial software. I worked in that business for many years. I'm still partial to it. I, I think it underpins the, the entire ecosystem, not just in terms of functionality, but in terms of purpose. That's why we're here. But in the, in the world of business, where not everybody is waving the pirate flag, off-chain transactions are crucial. And, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you really want to be sort of real politic about it, um, and you're driving, uh, toward mass adoption, those are the kinds of users that you need to say that this is a big tent. Um, those are the kinds of users that push us into the mainstream and, and we want to be able to service those users too. Okay. So the other thing I think about with regards to banking is like, it's my use of a bank, right? Whether it's my personal bank account or my business bank account. Is that the first steps where you create an environment where people can open accounts with you? Or is there a whole other part of this that I'm just like fully not aware of? Um, yeah, so I think the, fir the first phase will be, as I said, the focus will be on uh, existing and new Kraken users uh, in the United States. Um, and so the, the bank will serve those customers and you know, be able to take deposits in, in USD, be able to transfer uh, and conduct payments in USD. Uh, same thing on the on the digital asset or crypto side, um, and then connect back into the existing Kraken Exchange and other services we offer today. Go, you know, going forward, this bank we expect to be the customer interface in the United States, and we would expect that many people will come in and utilize this bank. Uh, in the future without wanting the exchange services or the types of products that Kraken offers today and use it much more like you use your bank today than people use the Kraken exchange today. Uh, so that's what I was saying earlier when uh, one of the objectives here is a, not only a new product, but also a new distribution platform. Uh, this enables us to target customer sets and offer things in, in different ways that that may be more, uh, you know, I'm loath to use the term mainstream, but but appeal to different interests and objectives and famili familiarity levels uh, in terms of our customer set. So you're absolutely right that, you know, going forward, we would expect to be able to offer an, a, a traditional or more traditional mobile and online uh, banking experience. 
What's the kind of timeline for it? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're targeting uh, a Q1 launch. Um, uh, but as I said, we'll focus primarily on existing uh, U.S. Kraken customers and, uh, you know, connecting into the existing exchange. Um, I would say that, you know, in the second half of next year, uh, you'll okay. start to see kind of the growth or development of what I'm talking about in terms of the new products and channels. Um, so th that's how I would think about it as like a phased approach. And Marco, what are the kind of really key and specific regulations you've you've had to follow? I mean, I, I know you're operating uh, with 100% reserves. Is that a regulatory requirement or is that a choice of Kraken Financial? It sounds cheesy, but it's both. I mean, yes, it is, it is, it is absolutely a regulatory requirement. It's part of the DNA of this, of this charter that uh, the state of Wyoming created. But, you know, Kraken, Kraken has, has, uh, been proud of its, of its security history, not just in terms of outside breaches, but in terms of keeping, uh, you know, keeping the chest locked and all the gold inside. That's, that's, that's been a pretty important component of Kraken's history and keeping full reserves is something that we are, uh, that, that we do now, <laughs> right. And it's something that we plan to do. In the future, um, fractional reserve banking creates a number of risks that aren't necessarily, you know, bad. Uh, that aren't necessarily something that people shouldn't get involved in. It just then requires risk mitigators and different kinds of businesses and different kinds of products and different kinds of regulators. It's not the business that we're in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it gets lost in uh, the bureaucratic regulatory frameworks uh, oftentimes that, look, the end goals, this is all trying to accomplish something, and that's to protect end user customers and, you know, safeguard, you know, national infrastructure and institutions, right? And so uh, we're not a fan of regulation for regulation's sake. Uh, and so this does align with kind of our interest in protecting those interests. And Kraken has a great, you know, track record in doing so. Now, uh, I think our metal will really be shown. Can we secure those pens on chains? It's a it's an entirely different thing than securing Bitcoin on chain. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess yeah, it's an entirely different environment securing Bitcoin as it is to I guess securing dollars. But again, I don't know how. You know, I know I know a little bit about how Bitcoin is secured. I, I know about hot wallets and cold wallets. I have no idea how that works in terms of securing dollars. It's, it's a kind of different environment. And I guess there's a potential for a little bit of confusion with customers. So help me understand this. I know in the UK, for example, if somebody steals my credit card or my debit card and spends some money from my bank account, I can phone up my bank, Lloyd's. They immediately credit back my account while they do the research to find out if it was my fault or not. If it turns out in their investigation that it was my fault and I spent the money, then they take it back. And if it turns out it was stolen, they keep it. Uh, so I, I get to keep it. In this environment, I don't know what it's like in the U.S. If you have some, do you have something similar in the U.S.? Yes, yes. The, certainly, the the regulatory uh, environment is similar, in which uh, banks in the U.S. have similar obligations to their users. But you know, these things at the end of the day uh, are different. There, some are bearer yeah. assets, some are not bearer assets, and so you know, there's a pretty fundamental difference in product there, which I can let David 
talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're referencing there, right? Like in a, in a fraudulent credit card transaction, right? Where someone t- gets your number or card somehow and, and uses it, you know, without your authorization and at a merchant and, um, you know, that, that gets flagged somehow or, or you see your receipt and you say, Hey, this wasn't me. Um, and you've got to find out a way to kind of unravel that. And, um, you know, credit card companies or banks, you know, generally, as you're referencing, have programs. It's one of the kind of things they, they market and one of the features where they say, hey, like, you're not at risk. But that risk goes somewhere, right? That risk goes somewhere. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it always has somewhere to go where someone's going to lose out. And then normally you insure that and there's like an insurance market around it. Similarly, you know, when you have direct access uh, to, the, to the Fed, when you're talking about institutional transfers at that base layer, um, that's why, you know, it's, it's critical to kind of be good stewards of that infrastructure, because though some might say, well, you could just print more money and kind of, you know, cancel the transaction and, and issue new stuff like that. It, it's not as easy because by the time it gets caught, a number of subsequent transactions are likely to have happened and being able to unroll or roll back uh, all of those things is, is, is not easy to do. You can't just like magically snap your fingers. It's a risk and it goes somewhere and it gets financialized and paid in the form of insurance or fees uh, somewhere. So uh, the kind of reserve requirements and things that mitigate those risks um, aren't just, uh, again, uh, the benefit isn't just, hey, look, your, your stuff is secure because we have mechanisms to secure it, but there's overhead costs and you know, cost efficiencies when you do that, that you don't need to pay for that elsewhere, that risk. Uh, and so I think that's a key thing here is it's not just like, yes, it'll be secure. It's that, look, because that risk doesn't exist, we don't have to pay for it. And as a result, we don't have to pass it on to you in the form of fees or otherwise. But you will have that risk if you issue debit cards or credit cards, right? Uh, someone will, right? Like, I mean, there's different setups, yeah. right? Whether it's the bank or the, the card issuer or, or the kind of like processing bank or something. So someone does, right, uh, to be sure. Yeah. Um, now, there's different setups of doing it, right? you know, like with a debit card that is backed by money in the account, almost like a prepaid thing. It's a little easier when you're not floating credit, right? Because there's less to unroll. Um, so we're, we're looking more at the debit than the credit side. Um, we're always looking to kind of right size the risk. And will you be offering traditional products, you know, loans, mortgages, etc.? Some, some, but not all. Um, as part of that, um, both uh, kind of statutory, regulatory, and business decision restriction around, you know, we can't conduct fractional reserve, we can't rehypothecate assets uh, on the back end, uh, things like that. Um, So that does take us out of some of the traditional banking offerings in terms of lending products and others. But there are other uh, areas that we can offer very similar products, certainly on the digital asset side, uh, we have more flexibility uh, around kind of customer instructed lending. So if a customer says, hey, look, I want to lend my money to this person and I'm assuming risk, right? The the risk myself, we can facilitate that. But then outside of lending, there's a host of other traditional banking products that we would expect to offer. Things like, as I mentioned, debit cards, things like um, IRA or trust accounts or escrow accounts, uh, things like qualified custody for institutions, wealth management, investment products. And and interestingly enough, we can also uh, in, in this format uh, handle other types of assets, securities, commodities, things like that, uh, just as another bank could. Sorry, help me understand, just because I'm from the UK, uh, an IRA account, is that like a pension account? Uh, yeah, 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 right, right. So it's a, it's a tax advantage retirement account. Um, right. That's, that's what it is, right. So uh, what, like a long-term saving, you can't 
access the money once it's in there? How, how, how does that tend to work? Yeah, you've got the basics right. It's it's right, just okay. that you can you contribute money. Uh, it has to stay in there until a certain retirement age. Otherwise, you get hit with a penalty for withdrawing it. It's meant to uh, encourage savings by the population. A higher interest rate. Uh, well, you can put it into different assets, right? So you oh, can okay. you get the money in there, and you can deploy those assets into. Um, depending on what type of uh, retirement account you have, you can invest it into equities or other things, and, and you get whatever the, the rate of return on those uh, assets are. I mean, I'm leading you somewhere here to say, will people be able to deposit Bitcoin into their IRA account? Huh. Yeah, I'd love to be able to offer that. Um, there's 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 more kind of steps to to go there. There are um, some companies that that enable you to do it in a in a pretty clunky way today in the United States, um, but and certainly not within a bank context. Uh, but yeah, like that's that's the objective. We would we would love to to do that. I mean, certainly, I would love to put my Bitcoin in in an account that is somewhat tax advantaged. That uh, also kind of uh, uh, forces me to hold it for longer terms and not get a itchy trigger finger when when big moves happen uh, because you're going to get smacked with a withdrawal fee. Uh, so so <laughs> for my uh, own personal reasons, uh, I'm very much looking forward to bringing that product to market. And Marco. If people, if you've opened this up in you've opened this up in Wyoming, which is great, but you can people will be asked to open accounts who are in other states. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's a it is it is a bank, and it'll be uh, subject to branching rules and privileges. So not 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 all states right off the bat. Uh, we expect that there there there's still quite a few more conversations to have uh, with uh, with a number of states. Uh, and it's not just states, right? It's countries around the world. There, there are branching rules that we'll have to comply with. There are going to be additional regulations and additional comfort we'll have to give to regulators. And that's, you know, that's something that we're set up that we're set up to do. At first, you'll see that uh, we'll service some states and territories, and then more, and then more, and then um, look, we the. We we know that that, that crypto uh, is a global phenomenon, and it's been in our DNA since the beginning. We operate globally now, so it's just going to be a question of how many uh, products we can offer to more users in more jurisdictions. Uh, but under the but but that's all going to be happening under the hood, right? For from from the user, the experience will be seamless. And yeah, I think that's, that that's 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 the key to all this. Sorry, Marco. Yeah, I think the international piece is an interesting one to look at, right? As I mentioned, our, our initial focus um, is, is U.S. Kraken customers, but expanding to other jurisdictions. Um, and uh, one of the reasons you see in the in the crypto space today, kind of you know, some fragmentation and no like truly global uh, exchange or other services is one. There's regulatory reasons and kind of overhead and cost reasons uh, why folks can't can't kind of go globally. But another one is banking. Um, and that is, it's it's challenging to secure banking industry relationships for digital asset companies. Now, Kraken is is fairly fortunate and in the position to have a, a good slate of of third party banking partners in in various jurisdictions. But they're hard to get, uh, and it's a slow process. And you need to kind of like prove your mettle to each of these folks and and convince them that you're worth it uh, by having a, a banking infrastructure and an actual bank in the U.S. It does enable us to secure correspondent international relationships uh, a little bit easier. Um, and so that that kind of like more seamless global banking infrastructure, I think is a key competitive advantage 
to a company operating in this space um, who, you know, to date, uh, you see these companies rolling out jurisdiction by jurisdiction and having to do all of this repeatedly. Uh, this kind of uh, allows us to kind of have it, uh, hopefully an easier route on that path. But as Marco said, there's no doubt still a, a number of hoops and kind of hurdles to jump through on that. All right, cool. Can we talk a little bit more then about the kind of primary products and services? Like what are the things you're most excited about bringing to market, David? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of them. Um, so one, I think, again, just the actual infrastructure that we're building on, on the back end will matriculate to benefits to customers pretty quickly uh, in terms of being able to have uh, easier funding and withdrawal mechanisms, uh, payment mechanisms, and you know have that be conducted a lot more seamlessly um, into our products and customer experiences. That's a little boring, but like they're nice improvements. In terms of net new products, uh, that I'm excited about. One of them would be things like tax advantage or special accounts. We talked about the retirement one that I am excited about. Other ones are trust or escrow accounts that have very specific purposes um, in terms of transactional value. Uh, other ones are, you know, Bitcoin or crypto asset collateralized stuff. So, you know, if I hold Bitcoin and I, you know, don't want to sell it, but I need liquidity or cash. Uh, we're looking at mechanisms to be able to enable that. So someone can say, hey, I hold all this Bitcoin and I'm looking to be able to spend dollars uh, without selling my Bitcoin. Is there some sort of way that you can enable that? Uh, that's something that we're looking at doing as well. And then uh, I think the, the, the last one will be uh, kind of getting into other asset classes, things like securities, commodities. Um, uh, you're seeing this kind of convergence, of, as I've mentioned a couple of times now, between the digital asset industry, fintech, neobanks, financial services, and lots of bundling and unbundling. So being able to offer uh, kind of that slate of services like a lot of fintechs and neobanks do now, but we're coming at it from a, a crypto centric uh, or digital asset native approach. We're not just bolting on uh, crypto as like a customer acquisition strategy of like a neobank, right? We're coming at it from a very different angle. So being able to offer the kind of fuller suite of services as a digital asset first company, I think will be pretty exciting. And you'll, you'll see some key differentiation there. Can you give, sorry, can you just give me some examples of that so I can understand it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're, look, you see a lot of these fin, fintech neobanks that are, you know, like uh, high growth VC backed companies, uh, a lot of them are diving into the digital asset industry. Uh, and a lot of them are doing it just because it's like, all right, we, we have, you know, a neobank, we uh, now allow brokerage into equities, uh, we're going to tack on uh, kind of access to like, buy, sell, trade, crypto, but it's more of like a customer acquisition strategy, in my view, uh, more than anything else, they're not actually looking to facilitate actual interaction with those assets or engagement in like what they can enable. They're just like, all right, this is another uh, asset that you can speculate on and whatever, which is which is great. I think there is like value in that and it's worth doing. Uh, but coming at it from Kraken's perspective, we're gonna be able to enable it as like a bank kind of dedicated crypto asset account used in payments, used in other sorts of actual financial transactions more than just you know trading and, and speculation. Uh, so I think that's a key differentiator. Uh, and looking at it from the, the angle of folks who want to hold Bitcoin uh, or other crypto assets over the long term uh, and then use those as collateral to access other investments or payments, that's a little bit of a different strategy than you're seeing like a Robinhood or other kind of companies like that um, pursue. So were you really here talking about being able to invest in stocks as well? 
Yeah, potentially. That's a, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, where, as a bank, yeah. um, we can uh, conduct transactions in securities or equities and other types of asset classes. And so that kind of unified platform uh, is, is pretty powerful, uh, especially, mm-hmm. you know, like you talked about earlier. Oh, you need to have a bank account and a hardware wallet and a mobile wallet and a this and a that. Same thing, you know, uh, oh, I have to have a bank account and a brokerage account uh, for equities and a, um, and, uh, you know, all the other digital asset accounts here. Uh, we can we can pursue a more consolidated approach. Will there therefore be a direct relationship between your Kraken financial account and your, say, Kraken.com account, or will it all eventually be merged into one? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be very similar to how like financial conglom- financial services conglomerates operate today. My reference point, uh, having having worked there, is Fidelity Investments um, or some other kind of big brokerage house. They have a, a broad suite of services that are offered by a host of underlying entities. But from the consumer perspective, it looks unified and they see their accounts that can do a bunch of different things. That's how it'll work here. You'll or you'll have a Kraken account and you'll be able to access the whole suite, uh, I mean, subject to jurisdictional and regulatory restrictions, the whole suite of services. And what's happening on the back end, right, um, is, is something else, right? One may be serviced by our banking entity, one may be serviced by another entity or so on and so forth. But from the consumer perspective, it'll be consolidated. So Nick Pococo must be uh, must have a plateful with all this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 great. He's a rock star. Um, and yeah. you know, for those who don't know, he's he's referencing um, someone who leads some of our security, technical, and engineering efforts. And uh, Kraken has dedicated a lot of time, resources. He manages a very big team there. Yeah, I uh, I had him on the show. I met up with him last year before before we all went on lockdown. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, like coming on to Kraken like about five, six months ago, the onboarding uh, experience and the installation of security practices and tools from day one to every single employee across the Kraken franchise is something that I've never experienced at, at any other company before. Uh, security really is baked into the DNA here. And Marco, does is security tied into the regulatory side? Um, well, so it's actually... Uh, a good question. And Wyoming itself has some technology specific requirements that, you know, usually you'd hear me pounding the table and um, stopping my feet about the evils of technology specific regulation. And who knows, you may hear that uh, in 10 years. But the so far, the requirements have been actually really well tailored. Um, so there, there, there are technology specific requirements around crypto custody, about proofing, about proving reserves and, um, you know, the kind of things that banks might do based on trust, SPDIs, or I should say traditional banks would do on trust, uh, SPDIs would do on the basis of math. Uh, we can, we can provide cryptographic proof of reserves, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know is better than just trusting us. Trusting a uh, mm-hmm. you know some uh, some uh, the treasurer's signature, but you know there are operational um, there are operational elements to that on the Kraken side too. Uh, we are uh, when we work with outside counsel as a legal team, we have very strict uh, operational requirements around not only how we exchange information, but also on advertising your status as our outside counsel. There, there is a very small list of lawyers who are allowed to <laughs> tell anybody that we're their client. 
it's really i tell you another really interesting thing is that it feels like the i know you've talked about this being a bridge between the traditional and the i mean you guys say crypto i'm more bitcoin but let's just say that that world is that i read um i don't know if either of you have read the arc invest two pieces they've released over the last fortnight have either of you read them i have yep yeah so what was really interesting with that is where they talked about essentially those kind of four assurances for for a trust-based model they tend to fail because of coming short on those four predictable economic assurances uh, and talk about how bitcoin is great for them um, i don't know if you've seen it marco but the four of them are like the first one is that you value should be exchange globally and freely the second is wealth should be owned and wholly and protected the third one is that the rules should be enforced reliably and predictably and fourth integrity of the system should be verifiable um, and there are four amazing rules and obviously i'm a big fan of bitcoin and you know, B- bitcoin passes on all of those but we're in this kind of trust-based model now and then they're talking about this trustless model and that transition from one to the other it's a very hard thing to envisage it's a very hard thing to just understand how you get to that point but actually what's really kind of interesting here is that i can see with what you're doing it is that bridge between it's that kind of middle ground where you're essentially providing the old trust-based model whilst in parallel supporting this future trustless model i don't know if you thought about that but that's what really stuck out to me yeah i think it's it's interesting though and it's 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 persuasive um and you know uh, i i think it's important at least from my perspective to note how i view it is look what the first point is it's a spectrum right and similar to things like quote-unquote yep. decentralization right uh right whatever that means uh and the two key points about that and that i think relates here is one it's always a spectrum right it's not like a binary flip the switch kind of thing and two uh these are things that are not um necessarily valuable for their own sake, right? Uh, it's like, what can you do with them in terms of like an assurance, right? And so one one example might be, well, okay, why do you want to know like the verifiability or auditability of something, right? It's because you wanna know that, you know, you have your money there, right? It's for a particular reason. It's not some like abstract conceptual thing, right? And so I think that what this bank enables is us to move farther along that path of, of, hey, uh, we're going to get closer to more trustless, closer to more customer control, closer to P2P, which which up until now, like, you know, P2P, you see like a PayPal or something like that. It's always funny they use P2P. It's, it's absolutely not. We're going to get closer down that spectrum. And two, in terms of like what a customer is actually looking for, they're going to be able to kind of by and large choose uh, more. It's just like how privacy does not equal anonymity. Privacy is the ability for someone to choose kind of what is public or shared with others and when and how. Uh, and so we're pursuing that path to kind of empower customers uh, to kind of choose what they want. Uh, and I think it's an important distinction here and just between the Bitcoin system and the way that customers or users experience it. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I kind of agree with you there because whilst I'm a big supporter and proponent of Bitcoin and I like the trustless model, I do believe some things actually do work better centralized, which I know is heresy in the world of Bitcoin, um, and I'm not I'm not a complete anarchist. 
Um, and there are parts of my business that operate better on a centralized model, and there's certain, certain bits that op- operate better on a decentralized model. I also just think there's many people who aren't ready or skilled, and maybe it's generational, but aren't prepared for a completely trustless model. So having this option to have both is great. Having the option to have them two mixed together is it's really compelling, uh, and, and I really just want to know when the hell I can get my Kraken account. I want a Kraken financial <laughs> account. Do I, have to, do I have to move to Wyoming? <laughs> no, no, you don't. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be, as Marco said, bringing it to a jurisdiction near you uh, over, over the coming quarters. Um, but yeah, uh, if, if, you know, as I said, focus initially on existing Kraken users in the US and then, you know, in other jurisdictions. And for those who are currently not Kraken customers, you know, sign up to on Kraken.com today and, and to get kind of the earliest access possible. Have you moved out to Wyoming? I have. I'm in. Uh, speaking to you from Wyoming today. Uh, nice. Loving it out here. We're building a, a footprint. Um, you know, the bank will have a headquarters and physical location uh, in in not customer facing, but back office in uh, Wyoming. And we're going to be bringing more uh, of the executives and uh, employees out to Wyoming and supporting the ecosystem pretty broadly in terms of building kind of a, a financial and technology. Uh, center out here uh, and the ecosystems to support our efforts and the state more broadly. It's it's an exciting uh, it's exciting time. I was in Wyoming this time, this exact time last year, with Caitlin Long, with Tyler Lindholm, uh, Jesse was there as well. We were all out there, and it was. Uh, do you know? I really fell in love with the place. I thought it was amazing. I I definitely I feel a lot of warmth in those red states. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether it's red or not, it's it's lovely out here. I, you know, and coming from, uh, I've lived all over the U.S., but um, most recent last fifteen years or so, with a couple of brief hiatuses um, in New York City. Uh, so uh, people are always like, "Wow, how's it like moving to Wyoming?" And uh, I guess I'd say like, I'm a freedom chaser. I, I kind of fell in love with New York because you could be who you wanted and do whatever you wanted whenever you wanted. Um, and we'll see how that is going forward. Uh, but Wyoming kind of has a pretty compelling case for a, a similar kind of freedom framework. So super excited out here. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, we're, okay. we're tentatively calling this thing Kraken Financial. Do you like Kraken Financial or Kraken Bank better? Oh, that's a good question. Do I like Kraken Financial, Kraken Bank? Oh, God, I wish I'd had a chance to think about it. <laughs> I mean, I think I like Kraken Bank. Yeah, because. Yeah, yeah. When I think Kraken Financial, I just think of financial services. When I think Kraken mm-hmm. Bank, I just think it's going to be a better bank. And I, I I need a bank. Like, I don't operate just with a node financially. I do operate with a bank account. So I like Kraken Bank. It feels solid. And it feels like I know exactly what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, I like yeah, yeah. it. It's interesting. Uh, Kraken Financial is is elegant. It's symphonic. It's musical, but it is a little generic. Kraken Bank is like strong, staccato, harsh. Yeah. Uh, almost sounds like uh, Game of Thrones, you know, the Iron Bank or something. Yeah, it just feels like it's got its it's, it's got it's got, got its foundations there. Yeah, I'd definitely mm-hmm. be. I'd definitely go for Kraken Bank. Right. Okay. So look, before we close out, um, how do people find out more about this? If they're interested to find out more about Kraken Bank, Kraken Financial, how do they do that? Yeah. Uh, go to Kraken.com. Uh, on our you know blog, we have a, an announcement uh, about this last week. Um, you know, we'll expect to be sharing more news soon and existing Kraken customers uh, will obviously get the earliest access. Um, so for those who are not, um, you know, sign up on Kraken.com. 
and I also imagine there's some people out there going to be listening to this thinking, I, I want to work for this. Like, are you recruiting for Kraken Bank? Yeah, we're recruiting across the, the Kraken organization still, you know, go to kraken.com at the little footer of our webpage where you usually find the careers uh, link, go there, click on it and uh, absolutely roles available um, at the uh, the bank, but also more broadly across the entire Kraken organization. I know uh, Marco's been been hiring like crazy over there. You know, that that's certainly the case. Uh, if you have uh, any lawyers listening uh, or paralegals or legal assistants listening, we are growing the legal team and we would love to see your resume. Uh, you can hear my, uh, you can, <laughs> you can see uh, my job descriptions uh, actually on Twitter. Uh, so far they've been pretty accurate. Nice. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, Marco, how do they follow you? Oh, it's M Santori ESQ. And for you, David, if people want to follow you. Yeah, it's just at Kanitsky, my last name, K-I-N-I-T-S-K-Y. Brilliant. Well, listen, look, best of luck with this. Um, obviously, I'm a massive fan of Kraken, a big fan of Jesse. Uh, so great to talk to you, and I, I wish you all the best with this. I think it's going to be pretty cool what you're going to do. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. All right. What do you think of that one? This one felt like a huge move by Kraken and something kind of big for the for the whole industry. We know originally, it's kind of weird actually, originally when you hear the stories of these exchanges and early companies having real difficulty getting banking services, we now have one of the biggest exchanges in the world getting a banking charter, becoming a bank. I think it's going to force a lot of people in the traditional financial sector to look at Bitcoin a bit more seriously. It's going to be exciting to see what Kraken can build with this over the next few years and also just the reaction of other banks because Kraken Financial will have to liaise, will have to work with other banks. So it will be interesting to see how the other banks react to this. Will we see more Bitcoin services with other banks? So yeah, interesting to see how that plays out. And I hope you enjoyed this. If you do want to get in touch, you can hit me up. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, if you want to support the show, the one thing you can do that really helps is go and leave me a review on iTunes. The iTunes reviews are really helpful in supporting the show. It takes about two minutes. So if you're a regular listener and you haven't done it, please go and do that. And also do check out my other show, Defiance. I've just released the first in a series about Ghislaine Maxwell. She was the lover of disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. Part one's out. Part two's out on Monday. But if you want to get ahead, that's available at defiance.news. And yeah, have a great weekend and I will see you all next week.